This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hopefully I'm recording the right mic. Let's see. It looks like I am. Checkity check one two checkity check checkity check 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 and he he'd like turned around to face the crowd and this guy came and just like double leg oh jump kicked him in the back. And he kind of like stumbled forward thinking that like someone had nudged him in a crowd or something. But like it barely had any no effect way. on him. And and this dude that like fly kicked him fell on the ground. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is a big guy, right? So it's hard to move him. Um but then one one of his security guards, this basically as big as he was, just like pounced on this dude oh, wow. and he oh, was he was just he pancaked till till retweeted a video. What what frame of mind would you be in thinking? Number one, it would be a good idea to pick a fight with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and number two, like you'd have to be a numbskull to do it from the back. Yeah, what in the world? Anyway, and did they did they they give any motivation for why they did that or no? Oh, I'm I'm not sure. Wow, Arnold Schwarzenegger is like yeah, I'm fine. I'm just glad he didn't. Mess up my Snapchat video. Is that what he said? <laughs> okay. In other news, welcome to the Laravel News Podcast. This is episode 83. Thanks so much for joining us. When we're not talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger getting drop kicked on Snapchat videos, we like to spend our spare time recording things about Laravel and the news. So that's what we're going to do today. Yes, I love it. We may have taken a little rabbit. We may have taken a little rabbit trail to look, at, look up Arnold Schwarzenegger videos <laughs> and gotten caught out by uh, some rather amazing ones. I, I thought I have like two or three on the top of my head right now that I'm dying to share with you, but we'll wait. We'll wait. <laughs> uh, hey, speaking of Arnold Schwarzenegger, and and this doesn't have anything to do with you and me because we both speak English and our clients are all English, but. Laravel Google Translate is a package that provides an artisan console command to translate your localization files with the Google Translation API. You can either use a package without an API key or configure your Google Translate API key. So this basically is just an artisan command that walks through uh, some prompts to determine how to proceed with the translation of your files. Um, and it'll basically go through and I guess take all the English keys and translate them into whatever other language you require them to be in, which is handy if you, um, you know, you've got something in your, like an English app that you've got and you need to translate it, say you're expanding into another region and you need to support a different language. This is a handy way of, I mean, obviously Google Translate's not perfect, but it would give you some start in that direction if you need to do it. Yeah, so number one, well done. Nice segue there. You had me going for a second. I thought you were just going to kind of continue the conversation, but no, you segued right into the first thing we were going to talk about. Well done. 
which sort of threw me off my intro game because I have no idea what I was going to say next now. But that's okay. I know what I was going to say. I was going to say it's sort of a short week this week. We don't have as much news as we normally do. Mm. But I will I will forego not. my little chitter-chatter and jump right in with you. So we actually have <laughs> two of these packages uh, to talk about. And I think there's a slight difference. But uh, what I wanted to say about this one is I think that some of these things are coming as a result of the fact that the translation translations are now able to be done using JSON configs i believe right so mm. obviously so like previously it was like a php file which would return an array just like any of the other config items that you have to do now or that you that you do now right but i think a mm-hmm. couple of versions ago we s- switched over to say like yeah you can use json style syntax for this and so uh, i'm sure it's a little bit easier for these things to kind of pick up pass that over to google translate and uh, allow it to do its stuff. So this first one uh, allows you to do exactly what Michael described, get your translation file done. It kind of has some prompts that it walks you through in the command line, mm-hmm. uh, which seems uh, nice and friendly, uh, as it said, or as Michael said, like you can provide your own API key. The second one that we have, though, is uh, it's a little. It's called Laravel Google Translate package again, and the only difference is that in this one it ships with a translator interface. Now, it, it only supports Google Translate, as does the other one, but the package ships with the translator interface, which you can use to provide other options beside, besides Google Translate. So if you were looking to use something else to do the translation, you may look at this one, pick this up, and kind of write your own driver, sort of, uh, and that mm. would be an option for you. So I think that's the difference between the two of them. I think that may have been why Paul posted both. Uh, it looks like mm. it also allows you to do just the missing keys, so you can say auto translate just the ones that I haven't yet filled in. So if you had some specific ones that you wanted to translate a specific way, like if you had domain language that needed to be a very specific set of words, and maybe you worked with like a native speaker to kind of figure out who, you know, what those words should be, you can then fill those in and then just say, hey, Google Translate, go ahead and hit the rest of them and it'll fill those in for you. So just a couple yeah. slight differences there between the two packages that we have posted. Of course, you'll be able to find those in the show notes, uh, but wanted to just make that sort of fine grained distinction for you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We've also got this uh, 5.8.16 release. Could you enlighten us, Mr. Dorinda, on what has been going on with this one, the latest release of Laravel. The the main one here adds a whole swath of migration events to obviously your migration. So there's a new migration ended, migrations, plural ended, migration started, migrations started. So that would fire the migration singular ended and started events would fire on each individual migration the plural migrations ended and started would be at the beginning and oh, the end sense. of each of the migra- uh, of of all of the migrations rather so that's handy if you wanted to hook into the migrations for whatever reason if you needed to call out to an external api to populate some tables or something like that um so those were handily added to the framework recently next the ability to drop enum types when running migrate fresh command was added for postgres if you're using that you can refer to the pull request in the show notes for more information and the renderable contact contact i think contract was added to the mail message class allowing easier previewing of mail notifications in the browser in a controller for example you can now new up your uh, notification and basically just return you know new notification to mail whatever and it'll just render directly in in the browser for you so making it even easier to to preview those things inside test routes or whatever you need to do 
when you're designing those mail notifications, for example. So you can see a full list of fixes in the show notes and the whole diff between version 5.8.15 and 5.8.16 and on GitHub. And of course, the full release notes for Laravel 5.8 are all available in the GitHub changelog. I think we talked about this previously, this idea of notifications not really being able to be easily previewed. And or if we haven't talked about it, I know I've had to do the work to figure this out before. Like, how do you get a notification to render to a mail to then be displayed? Because you can do some of these things really easy with the mailables, right? If you have just a mailable, you can render the mailable and see that really quite easily in a test route. And that's, I think, what is basically yeah. being accomplished here by adding this renderable contract to the mail message. It allows you to be able to say, new up the notification, arrow to mail with an email address, and then let me see what that looks like. Uh, so that's certainly appreciated. Mm-hmm. That makes this much, much nicer. Or yeah. you could just use telescope, I suppose. Yeah. Again, it's another one of those quality of life things. Yes. That, you know, just adding these little bits and pieces to really hone in that developer happiness that the framework is well known for. Yes, yes. Uh, speaking of quality of life, PHP Storm 2019 1.2 was released with Blade debugging fixes. So one of the things I've appreciated recently is uh, I feel like PHP Storm has kind of been working in hand in hand with the Laravel community uh, as we have different things that are are kind of needed. They seem more than willing to accommodate. And so as a result, I feel Mm. like they've been keeping up pretty well with a lot of the changes that have been happening. And uh, they're doing a really good job uh, of just continuing to be a great editor for the PHP community at large, but also for the Laravel community for sure. So I would encourage you, if you haven't checked it out in the last... You know, I don't know. If you haven't checked it out in the last couple of years, like if you tried it before and weren't really happy with it, maybe give it another shot. One of the other things, uh, in addition to having uh, Blade debugging support, uh, which was broken in 5.8.11 due to a bug and then a revert and blah, 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 whatever, they were able to bring back that debugging uh, support in their most recent release. But they also wanted to be able to support Composer in any remote PHP interpreter. Remote PHP interpreter, most likely meaning in this case, Docker. Right, so it brings execute. So this most recent release it brings a composer executable support via the Docker runtime. So that's nice. So you can set it up to say, hey, point to this uh, location over here, to this container over here, and then um, and then allow you to run composer from there instead of from your local uh, local machine. So I think yep. that's the list of changes on that. Thank you, JetBrains and PHP Storm. Again, if you have not checked them out, go ahead and do that again. They've got a free 30-day trial, I believe. And uh, I love using it. And we actually are just trying to get Wilbur Powery switched over. So he's uh, he's been a long-time Sublime Text guy. He's on VS Code? No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. VS Code. Yeah. Yep, yep. Not to leave anybody in the dark. Yeah, Wilbur Powery is a Laravel community member, has helped in probably the most significant ways by like helping to edit Up and Running, Matt Stauffer's book Up and Running, Laravel Up and Running. And we just mm-hmm. recently uh, brought him onto our team. So yeah, I'm trying to bring him over to the PHP Storm dark side. We'll see. Speaking of VS Code, and, and this isn't actually an article on Laravel News, but maybe we'll see it appear one day in the future. I stumbled upon this project the other day called Coda. It's at coda.com. And this is an open source remote development environment serving Visual Studio Code. Basically, what they've done is they've picked up the Visual Studio Code editor and put it into the browser. Interesting. So, I mean, Visual Studio Code is is all rendered, you know, it's a, it's a JavaScript powered sure. thing. It's, it's in Electron it? yeah. or whatever. Yeah, as far as I'm aware. So, basically, they've they've picked it up and they've dumped it into a 
a project that you can host yourself. So you can run it via Docker and you can run it essentially in the browser. So for people like, for example, Eric Barnes, when he uh, busted up his his hand and he was working on the iPad, being able to access your editor and like your editor environment consistently on any device is is pretty powerful. And, you know, obviously if you're on an iPad, you've still got the issues of rendering things in the browser and like switching between browser and editor and all that kind of space. But being able to run the editor in a browser is a really cool concept, especially one that's like as actively developed and as well supported as what VS Code is. You know, I wouldn't think of any other... I wouldn't put PHP Storm in the browser, for example. Not to say that it's not actively developed, but it's just... It just seems to be the right place for it. And it'll be interesting to see what Microsoft does with it in the future as well. Yeah, wow. That is pretty cool. Yeah, poor Eric. He had to kind of settle. What I can't remember what editor he ended up using when he was on... Was he, settle? What was it? He was using He was using Vim. He didn't settle. Oh, <laughs> oh no, yeah. Yeah, Vim. Someday. Someday, my friend. It's like, I don't know. I feel like a good amount of people though they're still not using like hardcore Vim, right? They're using, because what is it? What is the one? What do you use? Do you use like... I'm using Vim in the terminal. You're using Vim in the terminal. So you're like actual hardcore Vim yeah. in the terminal. So like a lot of people... Yeah. But a, a lot of people are using like PHP Storm or Sublime Text yeah, with or VS Code with the Vim yeah. key bindings. Yeah. And like PHP Storm and Sublime and VS Code have all got decent implementations of it, but there's... There's always that one little thing that doesn't quite work right. Yeah, sure. For example, in my Sublime, like all of my Vim key bindings work really well in Sublime, except for like colon W to save. It just doesn't work for whatever reason. So yeah, whatever. Yeah. But yes. I don't know. I'd be interested. I don't know. It's like, for me, it's like one of those things where I know it would be like, okay, I'd have to like just commit to it for like a couple months to get to the point where I'm at right now with my current editor. And it's just, I can't. I can't make the investment. It's not worth it yet. You no, you can get proficient in Vim in a week, but to master it, like you never forever. Yeah. Guys like yeah, guys like Chris Turmy and, and Ben Orenstein that, that have been using Vim like to to write for years and years and years. Like they've really honed it down. So Yeah, and they have it all figured out. All their plugins. And that's the thing is it's not like they could just sit down at any computer and just start using Vim as well as they do on theirs, mm-hmm. right? They still have this customization. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes me feel better at least. So moving on a little bit here, we've got the spread operator for arrays coming to PHP 7.4. So last time we talked about uh, short arrow or so what was it? Short functions? What do we call it? Short arrow functions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Short right? arrow functions. And so what we're talking about this week is the spread operator. So the spread operator basically will take a object or an array, typically an array, uh, but either an object or an array that supports the traversable, mm, what are you going to call that? There's, is that a, it's interface? Interface, thank you. That support uh, traversable, uh, and either one of those uh, can be expanded. So if you have a list of items, and the, the caveat here, the one caveat here is this does not work with string keys. It can only work with like integer or with indexed generic, arrays, yeah. right? Uh, so mm-hmm. for example, if you wanted to combine two arrays, no longer do you have to use like array merge to do so. You could just say uh, array one equals bracket one, two, three, comma, dot, 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 
dollar sign array, whatever your array is that currently exists, and it will expand the items from that array into that list of items. And you can do that as many times as you want, right? So you could say my new array equals, and what you would have done before is you would have said array merge and then passed array one comma array two. Now you can just say bracket dot 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 array one comma dot 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 array two, whatever, right? And I think that's called the, I mean, is that triple, is that triple dot still called splat when you're using it as a, uh, when you're using it like this, the spread operator, yeah. I guess you just do I'm call it spread, sure. no, probably just call it spread operator. Well, I guess it's spread. Yeah. I think it's spread in this context and splat the other way around. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I just hate dot, dot, dot and get it to do what I want by bashing furiously at the keyboard most of the yeah. time. Yeah. This is pretty nice. This is like, I'll try and I'm like, I think this is what I want. And then when it works, I'm like, yes, that is, that is correct. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like it's funny because sometimes I get mixed up. Like I've thought previously that I had this in PHP. You know what I mean? Like I'll be working in JavaScript for a while. Yeah. And then I'll come back over to PHP. Like, can I do that? I can't remember if I can do that. I know there's a triple dot thing that you can use, but that's like the splat operator most of the time is what I was thinking of. So now yeah. it's going to be here. The spread operator is coming to 7.4. It got overwhelming support in the uh, RFC vote. So seems like everybody's happy about this when everybody's okay with it. Even with the little caveat, the uh, strings not being allowed as keys, that's okay. That's quite okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and I think I, just as a side note here, the reason they did that is because they wanted to make the behavior consistent with argument unpacking. All right. So currently with argument unpacking, string keys are also not supported. Uh, so in, in the case that you try and do that, a recoverable error will be thrown when a string key is encountered. So FYI on that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Tailwind, except for I want to cover that one because we've just recently done an upgrade. So, Go on. okay, are you sure? You know, you don't mind. You don't mind. Cover it. <laughs> cover away. <laughs> so, how many of you out there have had a chance to use Tailwind so CSS? Go ahead, hands up. Okay, all right, a couple of you. All right, that's good. Oh, most of you. All right, that's great. So yeah, Tailwind CSS is, of course, a utility-first framework. And if you haven't jumped on that bandwagon, even like fully, like I would really suggest just giving it a try. And and really to give it a fair shake, I feel like you have to use it for longer than like a day, right? It's like one of those things like it takes Mm -hmm. a little while to get the Kool-Aid in your bloodstream, I think. Like you got to actually do it for a little bit before you can really see the benefits but that is not yeah. what this particular uh, blog post is about. This particular blog post is about upgrading to 1.0. It finally happened. It, it finally did. happened. I was listening to a podcast and like the plan for this was for February, but the delay was largely to the huge amount of time and effort that Adam and and I guess Steve and I know that uh, David Hampill and even Jonathan Rennick were all involved in the project, just really honing the docs, really making clear the case for using utility-first CSS, really making sure that everything was clear and concise and that now that we're at 1.0, that everything is is solid, that they won't have to make any changes, they won't have to break anything and, and you know, tag a 2.0 or anything like yeah. that. So and I will say- they've, really, they've really spent an extreme amount of time yeah. and care to get this yeah. right. And, the, and it look, the, from what I've seen, the responses have been overwhelmingly positive from all facets of not only the the laravel community but all across the board from people outside from you know css and design people outside of you know strictly php even yeah yeah so it's not that much different 
then it's like beta release. Uh, but we've been using it in production. We, I think we have it in production, probably two or three app applications. Mm-hmm. It wasn't super painful upgrading. There were some things that I felt were of note. But now looking at them, I can see why they did it. And we tried to stick to the defaults as much as possible this time around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did before too. But but when going doing the upgrade, going from the beta to the 1.0, uh, instead of trying to like, you know, wrangle it back into like what it used to be. We just said, no, let's just go ahead and use the defaults as we can. So I think there's some scale changes as far as um, like widths mm. and responsive widths. Yeah. Uh, there were some differences with that, which wasn't a huge deal. Um, there was some line spacing defaults and things that changed, some letter spacing things. So just, you know, just a couple things uh but but not really much. Uh, the coloring, the way that you kind of define colors is a little bit different. So before you had, you know, you'd have like text gray or whatever, right? And then you'd have text gray, dark, text gray, dark, or text gray, darkest, right? And then you had light, lighter, lightest, mm-hmm. which allowed for, what, seven variations of a seven. color, right? And so now everything is numbered with a 100 through a 900 sort of scheme. So you have like text gray 100, mm-hmm. 200, 300, 400, all the way up to 900, where I believe 100 is the darkest and 900 is the lightest. No, no, no. All nope. the way around. All the way around. Yep. 100 is the lightest. 900 is the darkest. Yeah. And so that was a little bit of a shift, kind of getting that figured out. Mm-hmm. But then at the end of the day, it, it does it does make more sense uh, to do it that way, I feel like. And it also kind of goes along with Google's material design colors, I think. I think mm-hmm. they use the same sort of scheme. So in any case, we're, we're happy to be upgraded to uh, Tailwind 1.0. There is actually a little package you can download out there that I think helps you to update from, from beta uh, to 1.0 and that was helpful for us but uh, know that if you're updating it will be a little bit of time but definitely worth it and we are super happy to be on the bandwagon and congrats to all of the uh, contributors there who are working on that I know there's been a lot of decisions a lot of Adam's like uh, Twitter polls <laughs> yeah uh, Twitter polls yeah. and just like opening issues yeah, and issues pull requests yep, yep. on his own repositories just to get commentary from it and suggestions from the people that are actually using yeah. it which has been a, a really good approach. It's made sure that he hasn't made any decisions that might impact people in ways that he hadn't necessarily considered. Totally, so, I respect that a ton. Uh, like every every change that you go through and look at like, okay, the 1.0, this is how we changed it. You click on it and it's a link to an issue where there's been a long running discussion around here's why we changed it. And like some of the concerns, I was like, well, why did they do that? And you go look through the issue and you can see like, oh, there it is. There's my question referenced right there. Like this is why they did that. So yeah. I really respect that. They've been working hard to make sure that this is going to work for everybody and it shows for sure. So congrats, guys. Yeah. Well done. And uh, we'll continue to support that team. Go Tailwind. Nice. All righty. Uh, what else we got here? Laravel process stamps. You want to talk about yep. that? Yeah. Yeah. Laravel process stamps is a package by Tom Schlick, which makes it easy to track which process created or updated a model record in your database. It's just a trait that you can add to your models. And then when you create or save a new user, a new record will exist in a configure table, which by default is the process underscore stamps table. And it will contain a hash, the process name, and a type when a record gets created or updated. So that's that's useful if you need to know where or what is actually creating the records in your database. Uh, it gives you a bit of an audit trail so that you can check on those things. 
if if that sounds like something that that you need to to use or are interested in checking out, you can learn more about the package and get full installation instructions via the show note. Very nice. Five point eight point seventeen. So we've got actually. I'm looking here. There's quite a bit of stuff in this one. So we will start down the list. So we've got a new dump headers method, which was added to the test response class, which will help you to debug headers. This is probably similar to what you have when you have a um, like this post and then you have dump, right? And you can just dump out the response. You now have a dump mm -hmm. headers method. So you can just take a look and see all the headers that are coming back on the response. We also have an ends with validation rule added, which looks like you know, it's almost like the string helper ends with, right? Which will return like a Boolean, yeah. right? So you can just say ends with, and then you can pass in kind of a list of items that you're looking for that a string might end with. And of course the validation rule will just fail if it does not end with those things. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, support for multiple column arguments got added to the route list command. So previously we'd have to do is have say route list, columns, you know, method, columns, URI, columns, names. So you'd have to pass in the option kind of three different times to specify that you wanted all three of those columns, method, URI, name. And now you can just pass it in as a list. So you can say columns, method, comma, URI, comma, name, right? So there's that. And I actually have never used that. Usually I, yeah, I've never used that before. It's yeah. helpful, I suppose. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, the the biggest thing uh, that we saw uh, a couple people in our chat talking about is the tappable trait. So the tappable trait was added to the Illuminate support, uh, which you can now define on a class by just saying use tappable. And then what you can do now is instead of having to wrap something in a tap method and then pass in a function as a second argument, you can now make a class or, or whatever it is that you want to do, right? You have an instance of a class and then call arrow tap and then just pass the closure in as, as, as a single argument there. Uh, so it basically just mm -hmm. kind of cleans up the API for doing a tap, taking it to be like out, instead of being outside of the instance, right? You just create the instance or grab the instance and then call arrow tap and then use it very similarly. But it does, it does make a, a difference. It looks, it looks pretty dang clean. So that's cool. Yeah. 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 All right. So I think that's everything for 5.8.17. Uh, good work folks. Looks like a good one. All right, moving on. PHP insights. I think Nuno has put out a package similar to this previously where it does like a health check of your application, okay. but PHP insights is a package by Nuno Madura for instant PHP quality checks in your console. So what this does is in your console, you can run uh, PHP Artisan something, PHP Artisan Insights. Yep, that's it. And it will tell you things like, it, it will give you an analysis of your code quality and coding style. It'll give you a, a pretty console overview of the architecture and its complexity. So it'll tell you um, around how, how many comments, how many classes, how many functions, how many globals you've got. It, it's designed to work out of the box with Laravel, Symfony, and other applications and contains built-in checks for making code reliable, loosely coupled, simple, and clean. And it's basically just, uh, it's basically a friendly console interface built on top of PHP CS, uh, PHP LOC, which is lines of code, and the easy coding standard package. So once you've got this installed, you just run, as I said, PHP Artisan Insights and it will give you the output. So you're provided with an overview, insight, score, spanning code, complexity, architecture, and miscellaneous things like coding style and security. Um, but the, the good thing is that it's, it's obviously under active development. 
And the README currently highlights a few ways that you can contribute to the project, which includes writing custom insights from scratch, adding new insights from PHP CS, Sniff, and creating or improving a preset for your favorite framework. So if you wanted to add something for Cake, for example, you could do that. And, yeah, and as I said, at the time of writing, uh, there are presets for Laravel, Symfony, and the Yi framework. So uh, if that's something that you're interested in and you want to have a look at the, the makeup of your application, definitely give this a go. Uh, and you get some more information. I think it has a minimum PHP requirement of 7.2. Okay. We actually got to use this last week. Uh, one of our developers just grabbed it and like ran it on our one of our most recent code bases. And uh, we we our code base looked pretty good. There was like one area, I think complexity was one of the ones that looked, that was like not green. So these kind of got these boxes across the top. So it's like code, architecture, style. And then there was complexity is one of the little boxes. And I think we had like, you know, mm-hmm. it was yellow or something, but... It's very yeah. interesting. It's, there's been a ton of work gone into this, and um, you know, it's free to do. You could just run it on any code base you have, and it might give you some suggestions uh, for things you might look to, right? To to kind of refactor and and hopefully eliminate some technical debt, maybe, maybe, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's pretty cool, and uh, I, I'm interested. It's definitely to see. a good place to help start. Yeah, like figuring out where you can look in your application and what what would be you know where you would get the best improvements. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, what do they call it? Cyclomatic complexity or something? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, cyclomatic complexity is it a measure of like how many different code paths yes. there are, like different if chains and correct. things like that. Yeah, correct. So if you start nesting ifs, it makes it harder to reason about like where you would end up based on which condition condition you hit in that chain of if so yeah you got to keep a bunch of yeah, stuff that's in your something head that, that you, way, yeah 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 it's definitely a good way of a good measure of like figuring out how to keep your code execution paths simple yeah. um things like you know using guard guard clauses and returning early and all that kind of stuff yeah absolutely so it's it does like you said gives you some really interesting insights right off the bat it takes no time and uh, it's free so definitely check that out support the project and um yeah, thanks, Nuno. Nice job. The last thing yeah. we've got here is Laravel Keyable, which is a package by Liren Cohen. Uh, this enables you to add API keys to any model and associate incoming requests with that respective model. You can also use policies to authorize requests. So this, uh, this works by adding a keyable trait to any given model, and then it creates a polymorphic association between the model and an API key. So then using a middleware that the package provides, the token will be validated via actually a configurable strategy that is comprised of a bearer token or a custom header or a query parameter. And this is, I'm guessing, using the token uh, author, authorization, token authentication, excuse me, behind the scenes uh, to accomplish this. But basically, instead of having to create a secondary table yourself and associate it with a uh, record yourself, this just kind of takes that on for you and gives you a simple trait to do that. So mm-hmm. looks like a nice little package that you might be able to use in the case that you just want a simple API key. I'm wondering if this allows you to do multiple API keys for a particular model i'm su- i'm assuming it I, would i wouldn't have thought well maybe That's a polymorphic association the, between the cable model. relation yeah. good question good question i don't know i don't know <laughs> not e not obviously no hang on let's have a look let's have a look although i suppose you could add multiple oh yeah you probably could have multiple keys and give like different different applications or whatever a key to the same model sure. yeah so it looks like possibly maybe is the answer. I don't know. Possibly. You can try yeah. it out though. Try it out and see what you think. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you have any questions, yeah. just ask Mr. Paul Redmond. He's the one who wrote the article after all. 
everyone's favorite human. I'm sure he'd be happy to give you the rundown on why he's using it yeah. or how he's used it. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Hey, you know what? That um, that literally wraps the show today. Like, I don't think we have anything else yeah. other than that's 35 minutes. We jumped right into it. Beautiful. I'll tell you what. One thing that I wanted to point out is this essential Laravel knowledge, How a Facade Works by uh, Caleb Porzio. Mm. Uh, it's a, I think we talked about this on the previous Maybe. episode, but I'll include the, the link in, in the show notes. But it basically goes into detail about how facades are the gateway to the magical system at the core of Laravel. Um, and, and, you know, how, having an understanding of, of facades and the, and the IOC container in Laravel and having a good understanding of it helps you really, like, get the next level of Laravel knowledge. So definitely check that out if you've got 30 minutes to spare. There you go. There you go. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to episode 83. If you'd like show notes for this episode, you can find them at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 83. Of course, if you like the show, we'd really appreciate a rating. Five stars would be awesome. And if you really, really liked the show, share it with your friends. Uh, Eric Barnes usually throws a tweet out there every week. So feel free to retweet that. Hit the little heart button and uh, show the show some love. That would be Excellent. If you have any questions for us, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at Jacob Bennett, at Michael Dorinda, at Laravel News. And once again, thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. Laravel News coming. Bye.